This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Evening, we've got Julian and Chantel. They're producing the program tonight. And you can get me on X at Dan Grosser. I say the last Dan Grosser Show of 2023. It's the last solo vehicle for the year because starting tomorrow, it's going to be Donnie and I for the next six days, holding down the fort there on TMKS in the afternoon. So we look forward to having some fun with you there. But, yes, last time of the year that you and I just get to sit here and go back and forth with one another. So we'll have some fun, a lot of football tonight, as you would expect. We'll kind of treat this thing as like a football Friday. We'll give you some picks a little bit later on in the show. We're going to have Jordan Renan in his weekly spot to talk a little New York Giants. We'll have our pal Mr. Buttle to talk a little Jets as well. And after all, Week 15 starts tonight in the National Football League with not exactly a game that you're eagerly anticipating, I don't think at least, with the Raiders the, yeah, the Raiders and the Chargers, both teams are going to be starting their backup quarterbacks, at least the guys who were backup quarterbacks in week one. Both teams all banged up here and really playing out the string, despite the fact that I guess they're still mathematically alive, but not exactly a classic that we have on our hands this evening. But we will talk about it nevertheless. We'll get into some baseball matters as well. Monitor the hot stove as to what's happening as far as that is concerned. Shohei Otani being introduced right now as the newest member of the Los Angeles Dodgers out at Chavez Ravine. And none of the press conference is deferred, unfortunately. Do you get that uh, in full, even though he's going to be a rich man for many, 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 many years to come with the structure of that contract. So if there's anything interesting that comes from that, we will give you that later on there in the program. But I want to start with a little basketball today. Okay, we're going to do a little hoops, a little hoops, because, you know, last night, when we had the show, we were leaning into the Knicks coverage. And the Knicks were kicking off their West Coast trip against those Utah Jazz. And I said on the show last night that the Knicks were entering a real, real pivotal stretch of the season. Because even though they were doing a nice job up until this point, you know, hanging around, they were entering a stretch that can really make their season go sideways. Right? Next 11 games, there was only one team on that slate who had a losing record. One team that you looked at on paper and said, they should win that game, hands down. But then you think about the road that's ahead of them with some of the challenges. It only gets harder from here. And the Utah Jazz, make no mistake about it, the Utah Jazz are a bad basketball team. They are in transition. They are rebuilding. They are not what you would call um, good by any stretch of the imagination. And so last night for the Knicks to go out there and lose the opener of their West Coast trip, that's a bad loss, right? There's no other way to slice it. That is a bad loss for Tom Thibodeau's team out there at the Delta Center last night. Maybe, I mean, you can make an argument. I know we don't have a lot of games under our belt so far this season. What, that was the 23rd game of the year? That might be their worst loss of the season, all things considered, because that's a team that you should beat. If you are serious about making strides and considering yourself one of the top Four teams in the Eastern Conference ready to take that next leap. A team that was only a couple of wins away from a conference finals last year with all the confidence in the world. You should win that game. All right? Stockton and Malone weren't playing last night. The Jazz are not very good. And believe it or not, the Knicks did something last night that they had managed to do, or they avoided doing, I should say, all season up until this point, and that is beat a team or lose to a team with a losing record. Right, the Knicks really don't have any many of those wow wins so far this year, right? They only have a couple of victories against teams 
that are better than 500, but they've beaten the teams they're supposed to beat. They all count the same until last night. Until last night when they let a Utah team with seven wins going into that game beat them. A Utah team, by the way, like I said, no stock to them alone. Jordan Clarkson wasn't playing. John Collins wasn't playing. Keontae George, starting guard, got injured four minutes into the game, never saw him the rest of the night. So think about the shorthanded unit that you were going up against last night, and they still couldn't find a way to win the basketball game. A Utah team, by the way, that a week ago lost by 50 to the Dallas Mavericks. 50! 5-0, not 15, 50. And the damn shame of it is, you know what? The Knicks came out in the first quarter and didn't play all that poorly. But it's another one of those examples of if you have a chance to put away a bad team, if you got their, your foot on their throat, you can't let it up. Put them away because that was a position that the Knicks found themselves in last night. They had a nine-point lead at the end of the first quarter, and they had a nine-point lead despite the fact that they couldn't make a three to save their life which unfortunately for them was one of the reasons why they could not put that team away. They made nine three-pointers last night to the New York Knicks, and they only had six of them in the first three quarters. I get it. The game has changed. Like, back in the day, you make nine three-pointers, like, hey, that's a nice night at the office, like, for a team. That's usually all you got. Go back 20, 30 years ago when the three-point ball was nowhere near as prevalent as it is right now in the NBA. But in this NBA, in this day and age, you make nine threes, that's horrible. And how about on the other end of the floor, you're talking about a Utah team that does not shoot it very well, that does not score the basketball very well, and it's a team that came in making about 13 three-pointers a game, and I think Utah made about 16 or 17 in that game last night. And we've been harping on the defense. I mean, the defense... I don't think it was a good effort last night by the Knicks. The only difference cosmetically on the scoreboard is that they didn't give up 130, 140, like we were accustomed to see them do in those previous few games. But it's still not good against this Utah team. 28th in the league in scoring. They seem to step slow the entire night, and that is a sign of concern. All right, it's not like you went out there on a back-to-back to begin your West Coast trip. You had a day off in between, right? And I know Mitchell Robinson is a valuable part of this basketball team, and his presence is going to be missed. You know, I know that Taj Gibson is going to be on his way here, but still, they're going to miss Mitchell Robinson. But it's not like they were playing without Patrick Ewing last night, back in the day. He's not that, 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 that important to where you shouldn't be able to not beat the Utah Jazz. I mean, that team is not very good. I can't stress it enough. That is not a good basketball team. And as I said a little bit earlier, the problem is, is that you look at the next 11 games for this team, that was the only one that you actually felt really good about saying, we should beat them, right? That is a team that we should find a way to beat. If we're going to have a difficult stretch and we're going to have to prioritize winning as many of these games as possible, That is one you have to put in your pocket because now you're going into Phoenix on Friday night, a Phoenix team which now has their big three back together with KD, with Booker, with Bradley Beal, and they're going to be salty because they had a bad performance last night against Brooklyn and a good job by the Nets, by the way, winning that game. So you're going to get an angry Phoenix team. You play two games in L.A. against the Clippers and the Lakers. You come back to play the Brooklyn Nets, and then you got 
Milwaukee for two straight games at Madison Square Garden. And God forbid you try to hide the game ball from Giannis after one of those games. We'll talk about that a little bit later. You talk about comedy. I'm still trying to figure out what the hell happened there. And then it's another road trip, Oklahoma City, Orlando, and Indiana. Three of the surprise teams in the NBA to close out 2023 before the T-Wolves, who are only first in the Western Conference, come to Madison Square Garden on New Year's Day. Easy enough? Sound good? That's what awaits this basketball team, and you can't squander opportunities like this. Look, I understand that maybe they're not as complete as we would like. Maybe this team still is not quite yet ready to compete for the big prize, and I think that that's evident with each passing day. I know that there's still probably a trade to be made somewhere down the road. When that is, your guess is as good as mine. Who that is, I have no idea. But there's no penalty in winning games against teams you're supposed to beat. In this NBA, where there's a lot of mediocrity, when there's a lot of parity, especially the fickle nature of how these teams are going to show up at the gym on a night-in, night-out basis, who's not suited up, who's not playing, who's doing the load management, who's playing their third game in four nights, maybe we get them at the right time. You got to win these games. And, you know, they showed some fight there in the end. I get it. But, look, you fall behind 17 midway through the fourth quarter. As far as I'm concerned, the game's over. I, it's almost a miracle that they were even able to get that game within three like they did in the final minute. And then what happened? They had two really, really good looks, one from Josh Hart, the other from Jalen Brunson, from three to tie the game, and neither one would fall. And that was really the story the entire night because they could not make any threes. Couldn't do it. And look, I am certainly more of a Tibbs defender than some other people are. And I know that there's a fan base that's very, very critical of the head coach and aren't exactly fans of the head coach and think that he's the one that's holding this team back and prohibiting them from maybe taking things to another level. I get all that stuff. But bottom line is, the Knicks are kind of are who we thought they are at this point. You know, when they walked off that floor in Miami last, what was that, May? To the team that you see right now, is there really any difference? I guess the better way to phrase it is, are they any better than they were that night? And I'm not talking about who was banged up and who was this. And, you know, Randall wasn't 100% certainly in that series, and he had the ankle surgery afterwards in the summer. I get all that stuff. But just in terms of the ceiling of what this team could do right now, are they any better then than where they are now? And as I mentioned last night, the problem that the Knicks find themselves in, among other things right now, is that when you look at the landscape of the Eastern Conference, there are some party crashers right now that maybe we didn't necessarily think would be the party crashers before the season started. And I'm talking about the Indianas of the world and the Orlandos. Right? We thought it was just, oh, well, you know, Boston, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, those are the three teams that are better than the New York Knicks. Maybe you're going to have a challenge from the Clevelands of the world and the Miamis, but Miami's off to a slow start this year. Cleveland is off to a slow start this year, just in terms of them being considered elite. But then in the meantime, you have Indiana and you have Orlando who have been better than both of those clubs. Now, I don't know if there's staying power with those two teams, 
but they're not just going to be pushovers because in years past, even as recently as last year, you had a game against Orlando. That was one of the games that you viewed very much like you did last night, ones that you have to win. And now you toss that aside. So, I mean, we're at this point now. We're a quarter of the way through the season. Actually, a little bit more than a quarter of the way through the season. And I don't know about you, but I'm not exactly sniffing championship when I survey what's happening with the New York Knicks. Hell, I'm probably not even sniffing conference finals at this point. Unless something changes drastically. And what could change based upon the personnel that you already have on this team at this moment? I don't see it. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Let's talk some Knicks. Now, granted, they're not a poor team. They're a playoff team. But this year was supposed to be about closing that gap, taking the next step. And right now through 23 games of the season, I just don't see that happening. We'll talk some Knicks when we come back. Like I said, a lot of football tonight. Even though it's a Thursday, we're going to make this kind of a football Friday. A lot of Jets, a lot of Giants. We'll do our NFL picks a little bit later on in the program. Jordan Renan will join us to talk Big Blue. Greg Buttle on the Jets. A lot of stuff on the table. Our final solo vehicle for 2023. Let's make it a good one. 800-919-3776. Dan Gross' show live in the living color. 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso show on 98.7 ESPN. Dan Grasso show live in the living color. 98.7 ESPN final, final solo show of 2023. We'll be hanging out with Don on TMKS starting tomorrow and all of next week. So we look forward to that one. Jordan Renan coming up at 8.30. Buttle coming on at 8. We'll do our NFL picks. We'll get that all in here between 9 o'clock, or between now and 9 o'clock, coming up tonight. Um, You know, the other thing about this team, like forget about looking down the road for the rest of this month. Just on the immediate West Coast trip that this team is going to be facing, like I said, you're going to have an angry Phoenix team which is now finally starting to get whole. And is it all going to come together next night? Well, the Knicks hope that it doesn't come at their expense. Then you go to L.A. on the weekend, you play a Clipper team that has won five in a row and is playing some really, really good basketball. Then you got a Lakers team that is sitting there, winners of the in-season tournament. I don't know. They're going to have the in-season tournament ceremony, banner, whatever the hell they're going to do to acknowledge it. Right? Are the Knicks going to be caught up in all of that? Are the Lakers actually going to want to show up and play as hard as they did for the in-season tournament against the Knicks? Who knows? But now you lost yourself at least one avenue for some margin of error on this trip because you want to make it a winning trip. And that includes the Brooklyn game, too. And now you lost one of the games that you should win, probably the most winnable game. And now to make up for that, you're going to have to go steal one against maybe a club that you probably weren't supposed to beat. And that's what you have for the rest of the three games out there on the West Coast. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We're actually going to start things off tonight with Richard in Manhattan. He's first up here on 9870 ESPN. Richard, how are you? Hi, Dan. Dan, the Knicks lost last night because Brunson, Barrett, Grimes, and Hart shot a combined zero. Zero for 20. If they would have been lousy. 
and shot two for 20, they would have won the game. And uh, Fournier doesn't play defense, but if the rest of the team isn't, why don't you throw them in the game? Maybe you can outscore these other teams. Last night also, no Mitchell Robinson. The center position, the Knicks combined for eight rebounds. Before Robinson got hurt, they were getting 18 and a half rebounds per game. And yesterday they were out-rebounded by Utah by seven. I would bet that's the first time that happened this, this year. They're in trouble. They're in trouble without Mitchell Robinson. That's the big problem. Not because of the team. They were fine, but now with this, this injury, I don't know how they're going to recover from it. But uh, hopefully Todd Gibson will give him a hand. But they're in trouble because they have no defensive help back there. They're giving up 100. They gave up what, 80, 90 points in the last three quarters yesterday, excluding the first quarter. They were terrible on defense. All yeah, but you know something? Robinson hasn't played. They have no defense at all. They're but, in Rich, a lot those, of problems, but, those problems, yeah. Rich, and thanks for the phone call, Pleasure those problems, though, with the defense, that was an issue even when Mitchell Robinson was still healthy, right? The Milwaukee game was an absolute disaster. The Boston game on Friday night when he got hurt, that wasn't exactly going swimmingly when he was still in the lineup, right? But last night's game, I don't think it was so much about the defense. It was the fact that they just couldn't make shots. You know, I know that Tibbs is a defensive guy at heart, and that's ultimately what he's going to preach. And, yeah, I do think that that's important, even though nowadays in the NBA nobody wants to play any defense. Bottom line is, though, they could not make any threes. None. They made nine for the game. I mean, Mitchell Robinson wasn't going to be a guy that's making three-pointers for you. That's not his job. And that being said, you still only lost by four points. But that's a bad, bad job against that team. Lonnie's in Harlem. He's next here on 98.7 ESPN. Lonnie, how are you? Good evening, Dan, Chantel, as well as Julian. Good evening, company. Now, Dan, you was uh, talking about how the Knicks, uh, you know, lost last night, which to me was a bad loss as well. Um, But when you got like two or three of your shooters who can't, you know, hit the bright side of a barn, that's not going to help. And then we're missing that defensive anchor, which also doesn't help. And um, as Richard just said, I'm pretty sure that might have been one of the first times they did get out rebounded during the whole season so far, because Mitchell Robinson is key when it comes to that. You know, the key cog, you know, him being the rebounder and the, you know, the the protector of the paint and everything. So it's this this two or three month uh, trip without him is probably going to be rough. But um, hopefully we can uh, at least you know win majority if not most of the games somehow as long as we squeak out with the wins the win is a win um but i also called in obviously dan you know this being your last show uh mm-hmm. you know we had to load up we had to load up the rock so heavy tonight baby <laughs> and um just wanted to make sure i called in and you know thank you for everything you have done for us listeners especially me um during the course of this year wish you a merry christmas and happy holidays also seeing to how you haven't done a sleepless in serbia I just wanted to ask you a question. I know you heard what happened, obviously, in Chicago the other night, how they kicked the Joker out of the game when it was Serbia night in um, Chicago. And he literally said it. I just want to get your uh, response to this. He said he's, the referees are pretty lucky that this game wasn't in Serbia. So, Dan. <laughs> so, so, Dan. Sleepless. How sleepless would those referees have been in Serbia after that game? You know something? I talked to – and, Lonnie, thanks for the call, my man. Appreciate it as always. And, look, I'm not going anywhere. I We still got – what, six – I still got six more shows. 
me and Donnie in the afternoon. So we're not going to be strangers still for another week. Don't worry about it. But I, I appreciate all the kind words. I totally forgot that last night or when we were talking about it with the situation with uh, Jokic when they gave him the two T's and got him out of that game, that it was Serbia night of all nights. And that would, it's like they made an example out of him and they got, gave him the heave-ho. Yeah, that would be something, really. See, the problem, what overshadowed the Jokic thing was what happened with Draymond Green, right? I mean, that almost let Jokic off the hook, although I did mention it last night. And then even last night, you had some more tomfoolery in the NBA with Milwaukee and Indiana and the situation involving the missing game ball, which I, look, I was trying to make sense of it last night, and this was all unfolding like while we were finishing up the Knicks game. So I didn't really get like a, a, a good handle on it all. And I'm trying to piece this whole thing together today. And still, 24 hours later, there's some nonsense stories in sports, things that just make absolutely zero sense. And this is one of them. Like, I don't know whether to laugh the more and more I, I, I read about this and I see this and I hear the people speaking out about it, or I should actually get even a fraction of worked up as some of the principals were in that game last night. We'll talk about it in a little bit because it's just, if you don't know what exactly went down, Giannis and Tenenkumpo, after the Bucks beat the Pacers last night, went storming off the court into the, into the hallway, into the back, towards the locker rooms, as if somebody stole his wallet. But he was in search of the game ball. And initially you thought that it was for him, like he wanted the game ball because he scored 64 points in the game. And it was a Bucks franchise record. Of course, it was a career high for him. And you thought that the game ball was for him. That's what I thought, at least. And then reading about it later, you find out that Giannis claims that he wanted the game ball for Dame Lillard. Because Dame moved into fifth place, I think, all time for career three-pointers in NBA history. And he passed the immortal Kyle Korver. And so he looked like he was ready to kill somebody. And he had to be restrained. Because he was trying to get a game ball for Dame Lillard, who, again, I'll repeat it, passed Kyle Korver on a statistical category list in NBA history. Now, can you imagine? I don't care if it was your wife, your spouse, your best friend, your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, whoever. I don't care if you were being paid by somebody, right? to go get this basketball and that there was going to be things that happened to your family and loved ones if you did not come up with this basketball. I still, for the life of me, cannot imagine getting worked up, even in the slightest sense, as Giannis was to make sure that he could deliver this basketball to Dame Lillard. Oh, you think you're going to do this to the Greek freak? You can't do it to the Greek freak. But because Damian Lillard passed Kyle Korver. <laughs> I bet you Kyle Korver doesn't even know that Dame Lillard was like about to maybe leapfrog him on the three-point field goal list. And he almost had a war last night in that arena because of it. I say it and I will repeat it for the people in the back. Nobody, and I mean nobody, does drama like the NBA. There's drama in all these other sports, but NBA drama takes the cake. And we were reminded of it multiple times 
just in the last few days. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We got the Knicks. We'll get into the football as well. Grasa for another two hours till 9 o'clock on this Thursday, 9870 ESPN. Nikola Jovic or Nikola Jokic. <laughs> it's Remember, you can get me on the old X at Dan Grasa. So here's the aftermath of what happened last night. We'll get back to the calls here. And again, everything is up for discussion tonight. We got the Knicks. We got the football, the Jets, the Giants, everything. So feel free. But for those that didn't get a chance to hear it, and I explained about Giannis and the game ball and him going absolutely nuclear after the game, here was Giannis's explanation for what exactly went down. I knew they had the game ball. I don't I didn't think I have they had the game ball. I knew they had the ball. First of all, you cannot. I, I don't know how it works, but um, I assume, like, I cannot just walk in, in any arena that I play and just take the ball. Like, Dame was fifth of all time. I scored 60. At the end of the day, like, the ball that uh, they gave us, I offered it to Dame. Like, I scored 60. He scored multiple times 60. He scored 70, and, he, you know, uh, he should have the ball. But at the end of the day, I don't think it's fair for, you know, anybody. Uh, and I understand, like, I understand when you score your first uh, point in the, in the NBA, like, you want to have the ball or whatever the case might be. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, like, we're talking about the, the guy that, um, you know, skipped uh, Kyle Korver in the all-time list. And uh, in my opinion, I feel like we should all, you know, kind of stop what we're doing and appreciate greatness. Okay. So that's Giannis' side of things. All right, and look, that's one man's opinion, whatever. I just think it's kind of funny, as I said, that, you know, we're bending over backwards and starting a war because we got to make sure we acknowledge somebody that passed Kyle Korver on some statistical category. Now, on the flip side, you got Rick Carlisle. He is the Pacers head coach, and he's sitting there trying to make sense of what the hell just went on and why there was that brouhaha after a game that really was never in doubt and – they just couldn't find a way to stop Giannis all night long, and his team took an L. But here was Carlisle after the game. There's a misunderstanding about the game ball. You know, it was Oscar Shibwe's first NBA, official NBA point, so we always get the game ball. We were not thinking about Giannis's franchise record, so we grabbed the ball, and a couple of minutes later, several of their players ended up in our hallway, and there was... A big, I don't know, I don't know what to call it, a fracas, a melee, a melee, whatever. I don't think any punches were landed, but my general manager got elbowed in the ribs by one of their players. So he certainly has a bruised rib, and who knows if it's anything more than that. But unfortunate situation. We don't need the, the official game ball. There's two game balls there. You know, we could have taken the other one but it didn't need to escalate to that. And so, really unfortunate. Third game we played these guys within two and a half, three weeks. Things are heated with the competition, and, you know, I, I understand all that. But for it to come into the hallway, was, didn't need, it didn't need to happen that way. Some of the still photos that they have posted online are hilarious. Like, the ones that show Giannis being restrained. And it almost like it's, a, it, it's like a scene or a still from, like, a basketball war movie where you have his brother and you have, like, a member of the, you know, team security trying to restrain him from going after and ripping somebody's head off over a game ball. Now, here's Indiana, and, in, and that's why it almost had, like, a pro wrestling type of, a, of an element to it because, and, and you heard Rick Carlisle mention the name Oscar Shibway. Now, some people may know who he is. Some people may not know who he is. Oscar Shibway is a rookie for the Indiana Pacers. Now, Oscar Shibway had himself a really, really – good college career playing for John Calipari at Kentucky. 
So good, as a matter of fact, two years ago, Oscar Shibwe won the National Player of the Year Award in college basketball. Now, they don't just give those out by accident. You have to actually earn it by merit, right? So Shibwe was the best player in college basketball a couple of years ago. So this dude isn't somebody they just, like, plucked off the street and said, okay, you're going to play basketball. Last night, because he doesn't get a lot of run in the NBA, last night he scored his first points as an NBA player. He made a foul shot, guys. He scored one point, and it came at the free throw line. One point. Now, full disclosure. I've never worked in the NBA. I've never played in the NBA. I know that might surprise some of you, but it's the truth. I can't ever remember a situation where I heard about a rookie or any player for that matter score a point, whether it be his first one, his last one, whatever, on a free throw. One measly, solitary point. And we have to make sure that we stop the game, make an announcement, lower the lights. Bring out the team dancers, get the laser light show going, and more importantly, usurp the basketball and put it away in a time capsule because this is some monumental occasion. And here is where I meant the pro wrestling element because the Indiana Pacers social media team, and you know who you are, they used it as an opportunity later in the evening to orchestrate one hell of a heel move, if I may say so. So the Pacers tweeted something out back on November the 12th. So it's about a month ago. And it was like a little video of Oscar Shibway talking about his journey and, you know, getting to this point in basketball. And it was about Oscar Shibway moved to the United States from the Democratic Republic of Congo as a teenager to pursue his basketball basketball dreams, yada, yada, yada. Okay. And he went undrafted. So the Pacers last night dug up that old tweet from November the 12th quote tweeted it after he scored that point and after you had almost a war breakout over the basketball and they tweeted the following Oscar Shibwe moved to the United States from the Democratic Republic of Congo as a teenager to pursue his basketball dreams tonight he realized his dream of playing in the NBA and scored his first career point only after a war almost broke out because of it and again they make it seem as if Oscar Shibwe was somebody that the Indiana Pacers just found shooting hoops on the side of a road at some rinkety old basket in somewhere in Indiana. The guy was the national player of the freaking year two years ago in all of America. Not Congo, the America. And you know what? He's probably better than everybody in Congo, too. So it's not like we're talking about some guy who just picked up a basketball five minutes ago, made a free throw in an NBA game, and he wants a game ball. I mean, come on. Enough is enough. And I can't believe you. I mean, like, think about it. Giannis has accomplished, like, everything that a human. You want to talk about a great story. I mean, like, we know the Giannis story. Didn't they make a movie out of it? I saw, like, isn't it on, like, Disney Plus or something? Like, the Giannis story grew up with, like, five brothers or whatever in Greece, and they sold goods on the street to make ends meet, and then he learned basketball, and he got drafted as a skinny kid, and now he grew into this hulking figure who's one of the most beloved stars in the NBA, one of the best players in the NBA. He's won a couple of MVPs. He won a championship. The guy's like an immortal. That's the story, right? Like, Giannis is living proof of this rags-to-riches tale. 
Not a guy who made a free throw and who was the national player of the year two years ago. Come on. Stop. I'll say it again. Nobody, and I mean nobody, does drama like the NBA. Doesn't, isn't that like TNT slogan, like we know drama, or it used to be, for their movies and their television programs, not like the NBA. They should tie it in with the NBA, TNT, NBA, we know drama. Chris in New Jersey is up next here on 9870 ESPN. Christopher, how are you? Dan, how are you? Thanks for taking the call. I really appreciate it. Always good listening to you. Am I mistaken? This is your last show of the year or at this time slot? It's my last solo show of the year. Like I said, tomorrow, and I'll repeat it again, tomorrow, which is Friday, and all of next week, Monday through Friday, it will be Don and me doing the Michael K. Show. Awesome. So that is what I have for the rest so, of the year. So listen, I want to make a Knicks point, but with everything with the NBA, and listen, I'm a Knicks fan. I'm a 90s Knicks guy, NBA guy. Call me what you want. But I got to be honest here. Like, that story is crazy. And the other part is the NBA in-season tournament, I liked it after the, la- the, the, the last few games. I'm actually happy the Knicks didn't win it. But I got to be honest, man. I'm going to talk about the Lakers for a second. Then I want to make that yeah. next point. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about hoisting a banner and champagne with goggles for essentially winning four or six regular season games. What is going on with the NBA here? To me, and that's why, like, when I go look at the Lakers with LeBron, I'm not a LeBron guy. I respect him all the way. He's got a bubble championship, and he's got an in-season tournament (laughs) minus whatever they do this year. I mean, come on. Come on. Yeah, I mean, hey, Chris, if you want to really throw cold water on that, you could also talk about how one of the championships with Miami was uh, during a strike-shortened season, too. Miami, you're playing premium competition. I know, I'm kidding. But listen, with the Knicks, right? I love the Knicks. I'm really happy. Last night was a disappointment. You're right. It wasn't about defense last night. We're going to miss Robinson. But it was about those missed shots at the end of the game. Or really throughout the entire game. Barrett started slow. You know, uh, Randall finally got into it. Brunson's amazing. I love Brunson. He's he's such a – I mean, if we ever lose Brunson, I'm telling you, forget about it. Unless we get one of the premier players. But Josh Hart. I love Hart, man, when he came in. But it seems like he is a little off. And I'm almost looking like, has he kind of sipped his own Kool-Aid and realized, dude, you're not the star of the team. But, man, you are exactly what your last name is. You're the heart of the team and the dirty work guy. Why can't you accept that role, Dan? That's an excellent point, Chris, you just bring up about Josh Hart, and I'm glad you did. And I thank you for the phone call. Oh, You hit on a lot of good points here. I'll say it again. Mitchell Robinson, yes, big piece of the team. But, again, I don't want to hear the excuses anymore. It's not like this is 1992 when Patrick Ewing is out for eight to ten weeks as the Knicks center. Okay, Mitch is important, but he's not like Patrick Ewing important. They have enough to get by. They certainly have enough to get by and beat a team like the Utah Jazz, and they didn't. The Josh Hart point is very, very interesting because Josh Hart, and, look, Chris said he's the biggest Josh Hart fan. Nobody was a bigger Josh Hart proponent than I was last year when he came on this team. He was a Nick. What did I say? 
The guy fit the Knicks. He embodied the Knicks. He embodied the city the way he played. He accepted his role. He did it flawlessly. When there was talk about moving Josh Hart in the starting lineup, I said, no, 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 no. Keep him on the bench. He needs to be part of this second unit because I think that his contributions would get wasted if he was part of that starting five. But something funny has happened this year. I don't know what it is. Did he show up to training camp and said, I want to score more? I want to be more offensive-centric? Is that what he said? Because you know what? If that is his intent, it sure as hell ain't working because he's a worse offensive player this year than he was last year. He's not shooting the ball well at all. And you're not seeing his contributions show up and stand out. I mean, you're not going to see it necessarily in the box score. It's about your eyes and watching the game, the intangibles. That's what Josh Hart brings to the floor. You're not seeing those things this season. I know the year is still young. We're, what, 23 games in, and yes, it could turn around, but I'm concerned a little bit. They need Josh Hart to be Josh Hart of last season. That's why they gave him, what was the contract? For how many millions of dollars? Four years, whatever it was in the offseason. That's why they brought him back, because he was a Knicks guy. It's got to be better. And you know what? If you are down Mitchell Robinson, everybody's got to step up their game that much more to make this thing work. You've got to step it up. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. More of your phone calls. We'll get into the football stuff as we move forward as well. Grasa Show, till 9 on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasa Show on 98.7 ESPN. Solo Show of 2023 it will be Don and myself holding down the K show starting tomorrow at three o'clock and all of next week. And then we'll take a nice little holiday respite before recharging the batteries and coming back strong in 2024. You know, also on the subject, before we get back to the calls, the subject of the NBA and with all the drama and it's no different with the Draymond green, which also took place this week. And, uh, Draymond losing as you know what again, which is really no surprise. I mean, you know, when you look up repeat offender in the dictionary, you see Draymond Green, at least in terms of basketball standards and ejections and fines and suspensions and those type of things. And then what is he up to? Three already this year in terms of ejections and um, had a five game suspension, what, just a month ago for choking Rudy Gobert. And then he flies off the handle the other night and slugs Yusef Nurkic. And luckily that he didn't land that one straight on or else he could be even in worse shape than he is. And he's dealing with a indefinite suspension from the NBA, which is the right move, but with a condition. And I'll talk about that in a second. But Kevin Durant, who, remember, used to actually be teammates with Draymond Green when KD went to Golden State and helped him win a couple of more championships. Here was KD after last night's game between the Nets and the Phoenix Suns talking about Draymond and his latest incident. Yeah, that was insane to see. Glad Nurk is all right. Never seen that before on the basketball court in the NBA game. I hope Draymond gets the help he needs. It's been incident after incident. So I know Draymond, and that's not, you know, he doesn't, he, he hasn't been that way when I was around him and coming into the league. So hopefully he gets the help he needs and get back on the court and, you know, put all this stuff behind him. Well, it goes without saying. I mean, get the help he needs. And that was part of the, conditional suspension that we read about last night 
is that he's going to, you know, he and his agent, Rich Paul of Clutch Sports and the Golden State Warriors and Adam Silver and Joe Dumars, they're all going to meet together to map out some sort of a plan here to where he's going to undergo counseling and he's going to get help, which I think is way, 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 way overdue. But the issue that I had with the indefinite suspension, and I said this last night on the show, is that this is an opportunity for Adam Silver to really go out there and make a statement. Okay, if, if it takes this long for him to go out there and get the help that he needs to prevent these type of things from happening, I say, why did it take so long? Because this happens over and over and over again with this guy. Really. I, I mean, to say that he has issues is, I mean, an understatement. This should not be going on. And the NBA can't make a mistake here because, look, five-game suspension a month ago. If they pop you again 30 days later, what do you think the ground should be? I don't know if you put a number on it necessarily. And maybe that's why they use the conditional thing by saying indefinite because indefinite could be a variety. Look, for all we know, indefinite could be five games. And that's the tricky nature of this whole get the help he needs in the sense that if they put all their heads together in a room, they might try to bargain their way down and minimize the terms of the suspension and say, oh, look, he's very contrite, he's remorseful, he's sorry, he's not going to ever do this again, he already has an appointment with a counselor, he's going to go weekly, he's going to get the help that he needs, and we're going to say that this will never, ever, ever happen again. And Adam Silver in the NBA could sit there and say, oh, well, you know, that's true, and plus he's one of our more marketable players, and, you know, some uh, he'll bring more eyeballs to the sets, and after all, you know, the Golden State Warriors are playing on Christmas Day, among other things. So, uh, okay, we'll give him a slap on the wrist, and you got to promise us that you're not going to step out of line again, and he's only going to get, like, another five-game suspension. They can't do that. They can't do that. He should be getting the help he needs, but he should also have the book thrown at him a little bit here. If the NBA decides, you know what, 20 games, I'm fine with that. Hit him where it hurts the most, and that's in the wallet. Because look at the mistake they made last year with John Morant. When he first got popped, what was the initial suspension for John Morant? It was like eight games. And some people didn't think that was sufficient enough or whatever. And he comes back after eight games, and he admits that he was also getting the help, and he swears he's never going to do it again. And the NBA says, okay, come back, give us a big hug. And he's out on the court. And then what happens? Boom. More stuff shows up. He didn't learn from his mistakes. And now he still hasn't played basketball this year because it's a 25-game suspension to begin. Right? So the league can't get this one wrong again. Send the message. Otherwise, you're going to have players not named Draymond Green thinking that they could, get a, they could get away with whatever the hell it is that they choose to do on a court because there's no discipline. But it doesn't seem like other people have the same problems that Draymond Green does in terms of inflicting pain on other players. That's what I said, too. Like, they talk about this being like, the, you know, the NBA and all them a brotherhood, a brotherhood, a brotherhood. It's like, well, if it's a brotherhood, what the hell are you going out there and acting like that towards your brothers? Right? Does that make a hell of a lot of sense to you? Tony in Connecticut is up next here on 987 ESPN. Tony, how are you? Dan, good. How are you doing? Good, Tony. What's going on? Uh, I just got three quick comments on the Jets that I want to get yes. your thoughts on. Um, number one, if you, you know, Zach Wilson played great, obviously, on Sunday, but the other time he played great 
was against the Chiefs. And, mm-hmm. and I have a theory. And my theory is when they take the handcuffs off them, you know, and, and the Chiefs, they go into the game knowing playing Patrick Mahomes, you have to score a lot of points, right? So we're going to have to put points up on the board. We're going to play a little more fast and loose. Texans did the same thing because now the pressure was somewhat off. Maybe we're out of the playoff race, and yet you heard Salah all week, play fast and loose, let it rip, don't be silly, but play fast and loose. And each time Zach Wilson does that, because we know he has the talent, um, he plays great. Um, the second point I want to make is I think Miami's beatable because they're a different team without Tyreek Hill. And if he's gimpy or he's out for this game, I think we can beat him. And it made me think about, can you imagine if Tyreek Hill signed with the New York Jets instead of the Miami Dolphins, even with Zach Wilson? Because one of the things that we're lacking is we don't really have somebody that can take the top off the defense. And you see what happened to Miami when he was out of the game. They were a completely different team. So I want to get your thoughts on, you know, we need a receiver, not, a, not just a number two receiver, but a number two receiver with speed. I'm going to age myself here, but... When we had Wesley Walker, mm-hmm. we had a great running game. We had a great passing game and a great running game because those safeties had to play deep because Wesley Walker can take the top off the ball. And then the last comment I want to make is, uh, again, consistency is important, but if Zach Wilson plays this, you know, even 80% of what he played on Sunday for the rest of the season, they better keep him because the last thing I want to see is, I'm telling you, Dan, if this guy ends up with like a Sean Payton or Kevin O'Connell, let's say Sean Payton, he sits behind Russell Wilson for a year or two. I'm telling you, this kid is going to be a star quarterback in the future if you put him with the right offensive coordinator who can develop him. Tony, I'll tell you something, and, and I thank you for the phone call. For Zach's sake, because I like him personally, I hope that happens. I really and truly do. I hope that he goes on to have a great career, wherever that may be, for whatever team that is. But all I'll tell you on the short term is let's see him do it again. Right? What you did against the Texans last week, go out there and do it against Sunday Miami. That's all. And that's what the Jets coaches are probably telling him. Go do it again. You know it's in there. You know you have the ability. Let's see it. You have to take the entire body of work into consideration. That's why, you know, making these rush judgments after just one game, it's, it's not the whole body of work. You have to look at everything. And there's been a lot of inconsistency for close to three years now. So you got four more games. Go make the most of it, whether that's here or whether that's somebody else. And if it's good for the next four games, guess who benefits? The Jets. Right? They're going to win games. And maybe, just maybe, who the hell knows? Maybe they stay in this race. I mean, think about how crazy this NFL season is this year. Half the, I mean, I haven't added it up, but, like, if you look at the standings right now, I guarantee you, half the league or somewhere thereabouts, is either 6-7 and seven or 7-6 seven and six right now. It's like the whole damn world, with the exception of the Patriots, are still in, and the Panthers and the Cardinals are still in playoff contention, right? I think, like, they're the only teams that are mathematically eliminated. The Patriots, the Cardinals, and the Carolina Panthers. Those are, like, the only clubs in, in, in football, I think, that are mathematically eliminated. Everybody's still in it. And what drives you crazy from a Jet standpoint is that, all right, you're 5-8 and eight now. If you were 6-7, and seven, at the bare minimum, you'd be one of those teams, and you'd still have a fighting chance. And all you needed was one game to go the other way. The Falcons from a couple of weeks ago, 
right? You held it to 13 points. You could only score eight. The defense scored two of them that day on a safety. What if you got that one? The crummy Patriots game earlier this season when they couldn't do anything offensively. That was another one. The Raiders game out in Vegas. You know, I was talking about that today with somebody, as a matter of fact, out at the facility. Like, if Zach doesn't step out of bounds by a, by a you know, a toe as he was scrambling into the end zone and he scores that touchdown, maybe they win that game. And you guys know how I feel about the Charger game. The Chargers are frauds. They're clowns. Even though it was a 27-6 final, Jets should have won that game too or could have easily won that game. But things just got so out of control that night. Special teams breakdown, turnovers, poor pass protection. That was still a winnable game on the surface, even though, like I said, the scoreboard would tell you something otherwise. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. More of your phone calls. Buttle at 8 o'clock. Jordan at 8.30 on the Giants. NFL picks still to come as well. It's Gross until 9 on 98.7 ESPN. Oh. 